The following episode of Geeks and Beats contains language or subject matter that may be unsuitable for children. Listener discretion is advised. We didn't even really get to touch on this more than a moment last week when you pointed out that for the first time you actually have been consuming cannabis and it was a stark contrast to the reason why you told me you never would. Well, no, listen, I have a friend who has a vape pen and she gave me one that had a little bit of oil in it and she says, if you're having trouble sleeping, try this. So she demonstrated it all and it was just invisible vapor. So I didn't have any real problem with that. It's not carcinogenic in the traditional sense. So I was I was okay. And oddly enough, I had a really good night's sleep. You're not alone. My he had difficulty getting to sleep. The doctor prescribed him the cannabis oil. Uh, I think I told you this story already where he got to the end of a little vial. And because he grew up during the Second World War, he's like, well, you can't let this go to waste. So he added a little water and it swished it oh. around. The next thing you know, he overdosed. Yes. And overdosing in the world of cannabis is just feeling real. From the headquarters of Geeks and Beats magazine, now with 1.2 billion subscribers on iTunes and GeoCities, this is the world's most popular podcast with Alan Cross and Michael Hainsworth, featuring musical guest Sting. Legal weed is coming to Canada October the 17th. Vice.com's Rachel Brown joins us to look at the implications and the legalities. How Howard Hessman landed the job of Dr. Johnny Fever on WKRP. Plus, we're going to bankrupt a podcast listener. And now, Alan Cross and Michael Hainsworth. The reason why you had no interest, despite an entire career in music radio, sex, drugs, and rock and roll, that you didn't want to put weed in your body because you had to burn it as a result. So is this vape pen sort of that thin edge of the wedge, that gateway technology, as it were, for you? These high school boys and girls are having a hop at the local soda fountain. Innocently, they dance. Innocent of a new and deadly menace lurking behind closed doors. Marijuana, the burning weed with its roots in hell. In this film, you will see the ease with which this vicious plant can be grown in your neighbor's yard, rolled into harmless looking cigarettes, hidden in an innocent shoe. No, it definitely will not be. Um, it is just another way of, of trying the therapeutic benefits. Uh, there is never going to be a joint in my house ever, 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 ever. It's just not going to happen. I mean, you want to talk about edibles, you want to talk about oils, fine. But we're never going down that route because I am just so deathly opposed to burning something and inhaling it. Well, that's what I'm getting at because the vaporizer seems to be the way to go. Right. And that's why I'm sticking with, if, if I even stick with that. Okay, so then from a recreational perspective, you know, like we start every show with a beverage. I've got my dirty vodka martini here. What have you got? Uh, today, I, I don't have anything because over the last two days, I was entertaining a friend from Singapore, and let's just say we overdid it. <laughs> so I am trying well, there, there's to... your next generation of hair of the dog right there, your oh, big pen. I am de- I'm trying to uh, cleanse the liver. Oh, that's him here right now. I'm trying to cleanse the liver for for, uh, Monday morning because um, we did have a very good 36 hours together in Toronto. Well, maybe we'll revisit this conversation October 17th. Yes. Now, there are two 
things about October the 17th. We know that one is the day that weed becomes legal in Canada. Give me the other significance of October the 17th. Well, October 17th was uh, the date that Gord Downey died. Ah, there you go. So are you suggesting that the reason why weed is legal is because Downey and the tragically hip became such pro-pot people uh, towards the end of his life? And that our prime minister is a hip-loving kind of guy? I, I Listen, if there's going to be a Canadian conspiracy, this is a good one to have. It's just so gentle and cool that, fine, um, I'm, I'm just going to buy into it. Rachel Brown is a reporter with Vice Magazine. She broke that date before anybody else has seen it. October 17th is when weed will become legal in this country. She joins us now from her home in Toronto. Good to have you with us. Thanks for having me. Where, where do you land on this conspiracy theory of the date that it'll become legal? Honestly, I hadn't heard of it before, but it sounds... Uh it sounds pretty intriguing. Um, I didn't put two and two together, to be honest. No, there, I got an email from a guy who says, you know, that date sounded familiar. I go, why? I said, look it up. So I went on October 17th. Oh, okay, fine. There was another conspiracy theory, though, that stated that there was no way it was going to be made legal for July 1st because they didn't want the cameras showing pictures on Canada Day of Parliament Hill covered in a purple haze. Well, it's it's a short step from Canada Day to Cannabis Day. So you don't want to necessarily have your national day associated with the legalization of a recreational drug, do you? No, that's true. I also think that the government just, quite frankly, couldn't uh, get everything together in time anyway. And so they've delayed it even more. So I think it may be just that simple. (laughs) Imagine. We had plenty of warning that this was coming down the pike. But to your point, the provinces don't seem to have their act together as far as how they're not only going to make the product available, but perhaps most importantly, how they're going to enforce the legalities. Well, let's let's okay, let's back up just a little bit. What are the things that the government's And I say that plural because we have the feds and we have the provinces. What are the problems that they need to have solved? It's going to be, like you said, a matter of having the retail system up and running in each and every province and territory for October 17th. Um, It seems as of now, every province and territory has their own uh, recreational cannabis legislation. They've laid out how they plan to distribute and sell and sort of the the regulations around where people can grow, the age and that sort of thing. So everything in theory is sorted out. Some provinces are more ahead than others. I think it's Nova Scotia that already has a store up ready to go, a brick and mor- bricks and mortar store. How was it? Ooh. Voice. <laughs> that is hands down the best dope I've ever fucking smoked. Yes. All right, tomorrow we harvest, boys. We're going to have to get Corey and Trevor out here to give us a hand. You guys want some of the shit? Fuck that, Ricky. If it knocked you right in your ass, it'll tear my head right off. So it'll just depend on where you are in the country. But I think it looks like, kind of miraculously, everyone is uh, at least theoretically ready for it. What I find really interesting is that there are a number of provinces that are going the public route, like the LCBO in Ontario, so they have government stores. And then there are other provinces like Manitoba and I think Saskatchewan, um, or I can't remember who else, but I know Manitoba does. They're going to be, it's going to be private only. Yeah, Manitoba is is really interesting. Um, They're banning home growing, but cannabis is going to be sold exclusively through 
private retailers. BC is going to have a mix of both. I think BC is going to be a really interesting place to see how this all goes down. Um, but yeah, it'll be interesting also to see how what success um, these private retailers have compared to the government monopolies that we'll see in places like Ontario. I can imagine as well in Ontario, some things are up in the air because they had already established a plan, but we know that the incoming premier, Doug Ford, has very different views about how this should all be legalized as well. The man he was a reputed hashish dealer in high school, so 80s Doug Ford's been going to town on this on Twitter saying, I'm holding public consultations on marijuana sales in Ontario tonight at the plaza. I'll be in the Camaro till 4 a.m. <laughs> yeah. When you hear the scorpions, you're close. <laughs> Here I am. Rock you like a Yeah, I mean, he, he's calling for an open market, and I don't know, how long are these consultations going to take? I'm not sure, but I think, I don't know, I think the plan that's already been pursued will will take precedent, at least, and, and, unless he can get something, a whole new plan put together before October 7th, which I think is highly unlikely. Um, I think we're going to see the, the government monopoly, the Ontario Cannabis Store model, at least, um, for the foreseeable future. Um, it's going to be interesting because there's only 40 stores that they're going to open at first, which is definitely not going to uh, be sufficient for the demand in this province. So, uh, yeah, it'll be it'll be a, kind of a crazy time, I think, at first. My argument is that you're probably going to see most of the purchases done online in an Amazon.com-esque kind of fashion through the government-run websites, mm-hmm. just for the convenience factor of it, of not mm-hmm. even having to get off your butt or off the couch, just the case may be. Yeah, definitely. Uh, the big question now, even with the online option, is is there going to be enough supply to meet the initial demand? I think there's going to be a lot of people, you know, trying it for the novelty of of the whole thing. So there's going to people are preparing for a massive spike in demand come October 17th, probably through the end of the year. But uh, my colleagues have reported actually that the, there's probably going to be a major supply crunch. So I think we're going to see lots of websites crashing, lots of shortages. Uh, probably people turning to to the black market once again, at least at first. There's where I want to go. First of all, I've talked to a number of CEOs in, in this space, and they say that they have tons of stuff sitting in vaults waiting to be packaged and sold. So whether or not they're blowing smoke, no pun intended, or whether that's actually the case, they seem to think that they have enough supply. I mean, these are just the guys that I've talked to. Then there was this article, uh, column by Margaret Wente in the uh, Globe and Mail on Saturday, and she was talking to an old school I don't know if this guy was a de- dealer. Old dealer. Did, yeah. you, did, you, uh, did you read that? Yeah, I did. I did see it. Right, and he was he was talking about how oh this this uh, this official stuff isn't going to be very good, and the price per gram is too high, and it's going to you know the the people who are already dealing this stuff they're they're just going to have a, a dip in, in in customer bases, but they're going to continue to supply their people because they know they got good shit, you know all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So what, what's your view on that? I think you know going back to what you were saying before about you know not wanting to smoke 
joints. I think that is a huge thing with the most uh, cannabis consumers currently in Canada. The preference is certainly for edibles, which won't be legalized until after at least a year after October 17th. Um, and so people are going to continue turning to the gray, the black market um, for those products that they prefer. Um, I'm talking to quite a few people working in the edible space. Uh, they're hearing that that a lot of people actually want to get more involved in these pop-up edible markets um, all over Ontario, and, and people are wanting to get involved in selling them more so after legalization. So I think the question of edibles is going to really um, be a test for the success or failure of the legal market. Well, at this point, you can't even get an edible. In nope. year one, those won't be legal. You could only get the raw commodity. And, and Alan, to your point, you know, I've, I've talked to Canopy Growth CEO Bruce Linton, the, you know, the, the biggest player in the space, and, and they're in a holding pattern waiting for the high margin edibles market to come into play. And I suspect what's really going to happen here is we're going to take it slow. We're going to take it steady. We don't need to legalize everything all at once. So it's just the raw commodity at first. But really, I suppose the biggest question at this point comes to how many existing smokers will switch to a legal source? The the costs are low. It's $7 on the street versus $10 uh, per gram at the legal level. And is that $3 difference really make that much of a difference as far as the consumer? Yeah, I think especially in places like BC, sort of like the, the hotbed of, of this mature cannabis market, particularly when it comes to edibles, most of the edibles that people are purchasing online. Uh, across Canada come from BC? Um, are people going to turn to the legal sources at first? Um, I think it'll just be d- dependent on, on the type of consumer that you are and the type of product that you're looking for. I think a lot of first-time users maybe will go the legal route at first, um, but it'll be interesting to see how much and how fast that transition goes from the black to the legal market. I'm not convinced it's going to be um, as successful as the government hope, governments hope it will be. Well, yeah, to that point, Linton told me he figured there'd be 10 million Canadians consuming marijuana post-legalization. That's basically one in three adults. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't know really what he's basing that on unless I'm... I, I hit him up and I said, well, I got backup. Where do you think you're getting that number from? And his response was, well, you know, all the studies show that right now it's about 7 million Canadians. Mm. And when the phone rings and it's a survey taker and they're asking you, do you do something that's illegal? Well, of course, you're not going to say yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, I mean, it'll be interesting to see uh, what the uptick is. I think the demand is going to be really high at first. Uh, come October, um, but we'll see what the tre- what market trends look like as things sort of um, get ironed out. It's be no different than Beanie Babies. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, this is really, really complicated. For the first time ever, uh, an illegal recreational substance is becoming legal and government. Uh, regulated. We've never seen this. I mean, okay, we had prohibition, but that was a legal mm-hmm. substance which was made illegal for a temporary period of time. Everybody continued to consume it, and then it was made unillegal again. But uh, for the first time in 95 years, uh, what was once a you know a wild plant that people would use for a variety of things uh, is now becoming legal. And it, it's interesting because if if cigarettes were discovered today, if alcohol were discovered today, neither one of them would have a chance in hell of being legalized. So there are certain uh, you know, parallels that, that cannot be drawn. And there mm-hmm. are certain... 
you know, it's all going to be in the marketing too, because I was talking to the guy from from New Strike from Up Cannabis, and New Strike is your your tragically hip company. Yes, uh, ticker symbol HIP. They're trying to create, uh, he was saying something to the effect of, we're trying to enhance the moment, much like you would enhance a moment with a a glass of wine or with a bottle of scotch or with a a, a bottle of beer, you know, that kind of thing. So they're trying to get away from the Cheech and Chong, Snoop Dogg kind of, you know, stoner culture. They want to have it as a classy recreational substance that enhances moments. Uh, There are other companies out there that are all about, yeah, man, let's get stoned. And they're all about, uh, you know, dazed and confused. So uh, I I think we're going to have... I honestly think it's going to take a couple of generations for this to sort itself out. Oh, sure. Uh, to become, you know, part of everyday Canadian culture. Yeah, there's a lot of people who, I mean, there's a lot of people I can't imagine um, just suddenly changing their way of life or incorporating cannabis into their life just because it's legal. I mean, yeah, it doesn't necessarily mean that just because something's become legal that everyone's going to start becoming a cannabis user. Yes, right. But that's a year one conversation. Let's advance this out to year three, year four, year five, when mm. we do have edible components in it, because we know that the booze producers are worried about cannabis cannibalization. Mm-hmm. Constellation Brands took a big stake in canopy growth, for example. Mm-hmm. Uh, New Strike, they've been talking about that sort of thing as well, that you're going to be in a bar at some point and you will be able to order a beverage that will have either THC or an alcoholic component to it, or both. Yeah. And when you step back, what's the difference? One will give you a hangover, one won't. Yeah, possibly, I guess, depending on that, on what's what's in it. Um, it's it's such an uncharted uh, world. Um, so, I, I, you know, everyone will sort of have to figure out their own tolerance, how it makes them feel and how it makes them feel the next in, day. In your, in your investigation of all this, what's some of the most surprising stuff that you found? I don't know if it's so surprising, but it's just how entrenched the gray market and black market has become across the country, particularly online. Um, the availability of edibles, concentrates, um, various products that... Um, I hadn't even imagined existed. It's so um, so advanced in terms of um, the availability and ease with which p- consumers can can buy already. And I think it'll be um, a big test to see how those online spaces um, can continue to flourish um, after legalization. Because a lot of people just assume that because it's legalized that their existing habits and um, uh, the way that they consume it already is just going to be legal. I don't think a lot of people quite understand just how controlled and regulated it's supposed to be. Um, and another another thing that I've come across is just how uh, on the criminalization side of things and over the past couple of years in particular, it's been surprising to me how much, uh, how many resources police forces across the country have dedicated to cracking down on basic possession. Um, you People might think that just because uh, there's a liberal government um, that maybe police forces wouldn't be so willing to uh, charge people for this, but pot possession charges have flourished even under uh, the Trudeau government. So that's sort of been um, surprising to me. What about that poor son of a bitch who the day before legalization found himself thrown in prison for 10 years for trafficking of a product that is now legal the day after? Yeah, yeah, and, and going back to what what you're mentioning earlier, I mean, the goal is supposed to uh, free up police resources, uh, clear the backlog in the courts right now, but I don't think that's going to be the case. In fact, um, Canadian Civil Liberties Association has come out and said that you know the Cannabis Act, so Bill C forty five about the uh, 
retail and distribution of cannabis and amendments to the Controlled Drugs and Substances Act, and also the impaired driving uh, bill that's come into effect as part of the act, it's going to result in more criminalization. Uh, There's more offenses, more severe offenses uh, with harsher punishments added to the criminal code. And further, there's new monies uh, being allocated to police services and the RCMP uh, to crack down on the illicit space and to to uh, pursue the new criminal code offenses that are being put into law. So I I think it may even have the opposite effect on that front. Not to mention all the crazy stuff that's going to happen at the border. Oh, God. (laughs) Yeah, because you know that those TSA guys at Customs uh, Preclearance and and, and the Border Guards, um, they are just going to be... Ugh, I know. You have the government there telling people, oh, be honest with them when they ask you, if they ask you. They're telling us to be honest. And if you're honest, you can get banned for life from the U.S. Do people want that? I don't know. And here's a really weird thing is that by legalizing marijuana, Canada is actually going against international law because we're a signatory to a treaty that says that we would never do this on a federal level. Meanwhile, the United States uh, says, yeah, you know, you're breaking international law. Oh, I know 29 states have decriminalized it, but, you know, that's at the state level, not at the national. Mm-hmm. Level. So not we're, we're not really breaking international law. You guys are, and yeah. there's going to be a problem. So let me just throw this out yeah. to both of you, or either of you. If 30 grams of marijuana will become legal as personal possession as of October 17th, do either of you have any idea how many joints you can roll with 30 grams? Oh, gosh. Not a clue. I guess it depends on how who you ask. If it's uh, an if it's <laughs> yes, if you ask a Snoop Dogg. Listen, Snoop Dogg once boasted that he smoked under just under a hundred a day. Wow. Uh, you know, Seth Rogen was here uh, uh, last week, and we were talking about the Mount Rushmore of pot smokers, and of course, you are on that <laughs> Mount Rushmore, and I think that. I think that Seth is on that Mount Rushmore. Who would you, would you put on that Mount Rushmore? I would put uh, Bob Marley. Bob Marley. Oh, I forgot. How could I forget Bob Marley? Now, Seth has been kicked off the Mount Rushmore. Bob Marley's in there. Cheech and Chong. Cheech and Chong. I feel like, I feel like they've strayed from, from the mountain. But they the first faces on the mountain, though. You can't, oh, yeah. They're the ones who showed us what a mountain was. You're right. <laughs> Willie Nelson has to oh, be on Willie the mountain. Willie P. Nelson is definitely on there. And by the way, Willie Nelson is the only person who's ever outsmoked Snoop Dogg. (laughs) I believe that. I had to hit the timeout button. When weed becomes legal in Canada October 17th, you can walk around with 60 joints. Six zero. Medical patients I've talked to consume like hundreds of grams a day. Rachel, thank you so much for your time and insight. Thanks for having me. Rachel Brown is a reporter for Vice. She joined us from Toronto. Thank you. Take care. More details on the legalization of cannabis in Canada October 17th. Go to geeksandbeats.com and read the latest from our Amber Healy. Yeah, let me tell you what I'm talking about, baby. Some people call me the space cowboy. Some people call me the gangster of love Yeah And some people walking around calling me Maurice Cause I speak of the pompatis of love And I want you to know it Cause I'm a joker I'm a smoker I'm a midnight toker
Speaking of drugs, why Howard Hessman became Dr. Johnny Fever. Oh, you saw that, did you? Uh, well, you know me, huge WKRP fan. <laughs> All right, Cincinnati, it is time for this town to get down. Dr. Johnny Fever, and I am burning up in here. <laughs> we all in critical condition, babies. But you can tell me where it hurts, because I got the healing prescription here from the big KRP musical medicine cabinet. Now, I am talking about your 50,000-watt intensive care unit, babies. So just sit right down, relax, open your ears real wide, and say, give it to me straight, doctor. I can take it. When I quit the Business News Network and walked away from a 30-year mainstream media career, one of the tweets in the Twitter thread that I had posted was, and one more thing, booger. (laughs) Yeah, that's probably one of his most famous lines from that show, yes. And of course, the line comes as a direct result of him being fired from a previous DJing job for saying the word booger on the air. But now that he goes from working at a a music of your life or music of your death radio station, as we like to jokingly call it, uh, to a rock and roll radio station, he's like, you know, can can, can I say these things? Yes, I can. I'm going to do it. Okay, baby, he's booger. Yeah. Explain. How how is it that Howard Hessman became Dr. Johnny Fever? Oh, well, now I'm going to have to read the article, aren't I? You wrote it. I didn't write it. I posted an excerpt from it. Oh, you blogged it is what you're saying. There's a, there's a big difference. Yeah. Uh, I'm an aggregator in this particular case. So hang on here. Let's open it up. Oh, I got the dog trying to get on my lap. Hang on, Bull Terry. Would you like me to send you the link? I got it here, but it's on my website. Hang on. And then, hey, I got a 55-pound Bull Terrier on my lap here now. That's not even um, a metaphor. No, it's not. It really is. Hang on. Let me just bring that big bull terrier up onto my lap. Okay, there we go. Okay. Um, Part of the problem was that they didn't know who to cast for this particular show. So they were, (laughs) you couldn't really cast uh, real life DJs because, uh, well, for the reasons that we talked about uh, off the air earlier, when uh, you you just can't, it's just, it's a specialized skill. And although the best of them make it look easy, when you actually try to do it yourself and you have no experience doing it, it's not hard at all. No, no, anybody can do that job. Absolutely. But it turns out that Howard Hessman was a real-life DJ. He worked at a radio station called KMPX in San Francisco. That was one of those first uh, pioneering freeform radio stations. The swing is in danger of leaving the Bay Area tonight. There are reports that all big band music radio station KMPX is about to be sold. The station's owners, the National Science Network, are reportedly negotiating a deal with an East Bay banker who would change the programming of the station. If that deal goes through, the sounds of swing that made them dance in the 30s and 40s will be harder to find on our radio dials. And though it's just a gentle murmur at the start. And his DJ handle was DJ Don Sturdy? <laughs> well, there was a what? There was a lot of stuff happening back in those days. You know, the, the station was run by a guy named uh, uh, Tom Donahue, and uh, he, there was a okay, it, long-haired, dope, smoking tape. He's playing album tracks by the Doors. Basically, that's that's what underground FM radio was in 1967. Um, and after that, uh, you know, you had to. You just developed the persona of that long-haired, dope-smoking FM radio DJ, and 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 uh, Howard Hessman had all kinds of experience doing that. Did I ever tell you my real-life Dr. Johnny Fever story? The, the premise on WKRP 
the reason why his name was Dr. Johnny Fever was that every time he got fired from a job um, or he got so bombed out of his gourd he couldn't remember his name, he'd come up with a new name and he'd write it on his mug and then scratch out the old one. Right, okay. So campus radio in radio school, Humber College, Steve Lancashire. Okay, don't know him, but all right. Big fan of Rush. So he went on the air one day as Steve Getty. Okay, all right, fine. Which I thought was okay. That's a nice little tip of the hat to your favorite band. That's fine. Okay, good. Steve, though, liked to go out at the end of every shift and party. And he'd come in the next day for his shift and would have forgotten what he called himself the night before. (laughs) And so he went from Steve Lancashire to Steve Getty to Getty Lancashire and to about six or seven variations within. And then one day he just stopped showing up to radio school and it turns out he got himself a job working in small town ontario i don't even know which name he picked oh that's fascinating yeah so he's out there if there if there's someone out there with the last name getty not gettys which is a whole different radio name a whole different thing yes please yeah well we, we don't want to uh, usurp any of the credibility of the getty's name under steve getty no but if steve if you're out there let me know where you are yeah and what's your name <laughs> london bangkok new york cincinnati from the worldwide headquarters of geeks and beats magazine this is a GNB News Update. I want to say thank you to Ash Chopra, who through our Geeks and Beats website clicked on the support the show link, but didn't join Patreon to become patron of the big show. He just sent us a PayPal donation for 51 bucks. Oh, why 51? But that's yeah. nice. Thank you. He only needed 25 bucks if he wanted to become a co-producer of the world's most popular podcast with Alan Cross and Michael Hainsworth. Mm. Uh, or he could have simply wanted to be a co-producer on two episodes and then an intern for one. I'm very impressed that somebody would like us enough to drop 51 bucks on us. Yeah. Honest to God, I have a hard time. I had a hard time getting my friend from Singapore to, Singapore to buy me a drink for $15. <laughs> and you saved him from Atlanta, too. I did. Yes. We want to say thank you to co-producer Jason Bierke, who continues to be the co-producer. He's on via Patreon for 25 bucks a week with a zero lifetime limit. Now, this is the neat thing about the, the Patreon. Uh-oh. Yeah. Is you can set a lifetime limit so we don't ding your credit card till kingdom come. Jason hasn't done that. So we're going to bilk him for all he's worth. Have we ever bankrupted anybody? Uh, not that I'm aware of yet, although every once in a while we do get one person dropping off the face of the earth. Yeah. We want to say thank you as well to uh, Geeks and Beats interns Brandon Heggie, Stephen Robinson, Jeff Lingard, and uh, Alicia Tang as well. Uh, they donated $1, and that makes them a member of the world's worst intern program. It's the worst because you pay us to work on the show. You don't do any actual work. All you do is get to claim it on your LinkedIn profile. <laughs> Have we ever got anybody a job? I don't know, but I see a few people including Jay Moon, on my LinkedIn page there. That's fine. We will vote for you. If you are, are, are one of our world's worst interns, listen, that counts as real-world work experience. And if, if it comes up in a discussion with a potential employer, put us on your reference list. We'll, we'll give you a reference. No problem. So I was on the Apple TV last night going through the YouTube, and YouTube had a recommendations page. And on the recommendations page, guess what popped up? You. 
Me. And me. <laughs> what? Yes. <laughs> because we've got a couple of episodes when we did the Google Hangouts on there, and it got me thinking, I wonder if maybe we should do another Google Hangout. Oh, I, I, okay. Oh, how, many, how, how many views did that have? A couple of hundred. Oh, which all right. which well, is um, better than none. Alphabet, I'm expecting a check. Yes, exactly. So maybe we should talk about that. We'll wait. We, okay, well, we'll talk about it. Maybe that's an end of summer a- thing. Exactly. Towards the end of the season, you know, before we do all of our best of episodes, maybe we should have a big end of season party where anyone can join in and chat with us. Could we maybe do it from your deck? Yeah, we could do that. With a, with a, with a pitcher of martinis? That might be kind of fun. That's an awesome idea. Let's do that. Okay. All right. So uh, go to Geeks and Beats Twitter account. Tell us what you think. Um, and uh, Or join us on Facebook as well, because that's how we would end up doing this. Yes. So if you want to participate, you would have to be on the face plant. So go to Geeks and Beats Facebook page and uh, make sure that uh, you follow us on there. And then we'll make sure that uh, you know all about it. I think this would be a very good idea, and we should start planning now. Or it could be a very terrible idea. It could be a very terrible idea. In any in any event, though, it'll probably be an entertaining, even if it's even if it's a train wreck. Particularly if you bring your vape pen. <laughs> well, then you'll do all the talking. I'm afraid you clearly haven't hung around with a lot of stoners. Uh, yes, that's true. Catch all new episodes of Geeks and Beats Wednesdays on iTunes, and watch for Geeks and Beats magazine on a newsstand near you. To be part of next week's show. Call area code 323-319-NERD. Follow the stories on Twitter or Facebook and get your dose of Geeks and Beats anytime at geeksandbeats.com. The Geeks and Beats podcast would like to thank the National Science Foundation.